0: head on over to morgandwilliams.com/newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities now let's start today's show
1: Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So, if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. Listen on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams.
0: Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams. And today I had the pleasure of interviewing Haji Saul, founder of Obsessed with SaaS. Obsessed with SaaS is a consulting company that helps motivated SaaS founders scale past 1 million ARR in less than 12 months without raising a penny in funding. When working with his clients, Haji uses a step-by-step blueprint that gets more leads and customers for your SaaS products predictably. His company allows SaaS founders to break through the noise, find a message, and build customer-generating machines. Haji, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. doing absolutely fantastic. (laughs) It's good to hear. Good to hear. Awesome. Can you kind of walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now with Obsessed with SaaS?
2: Uh, Yeah, definitely. So I might as well give you my full background. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Senegal, West Africa. Oh, wow. Uh, I, moved, I moved to America when I was about five years old. I moved straight to Atlanta with my two older brothers and two older sisters, youngest in my family. You know, one of my biggest things growing up was just, as an immigrant, was just hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, you know, I learned that from my parents. As soon as we moved here, we were living in like a very small apartment in Atlanta. And then from there, I just was just a motivated person, just always motivated to kind of get things done, uh, make my own money buy myself things that I want. And um, how I did that was harnessing the power of eBay, Craigslist, and Facebook groups. So at a very early age, I was buying and selling uh, iPhones at the time, uh, buying and selling shoes, buying and selling game systems from eBay, Craigslist. So I got really good at just using technology on the internet to you know, start making money, especially eBay. And then from there, I just, you know, it was a slow progression and a evolution, like I like to call it when people ask me about my life. I'm just like, yeah, it's an evolution right now. But then from there, from eBay, started to learn about Shopify, you know, as Shopify is like one of the biggest SaaS products out on the marketplace right now. Then from there, so I started to get really good at Shopify. Then I started my first agency building, uh, building Shopify websites for people. Then from there, just, just kept evolving, kept progressing. And that's how I got into affiliate marketing. And then I started affiliate marketing specifically for SaaS products because I was building websites on Shopify. I was, you know, building a, nice little recurring revenue from Shopify sending me customers. So that's when I started working with other uh, software companies, promoting their products. Then from there, I kept evolving and started working directly with the founders and helping them build out their marketing funnels or their different channels to generate customers. Because one thing that I got really good at uh, was kind of like simplifying, you know, what the technology does to the end user Um, because the people that typically develop it are. They're in the weeds, right? So they have, they're really feature focused, but I just got really good at just telling people "Hey, like, Hey, Shopify is a good way for you to you know, start your coding line or Shopify is a good way for you to take the products that you were selling on like eBay and cut out eBay seller fees. So I just got really good at simplifying messages like that. Um, and that's how I was getting most of my customers by just helping them understand the software product. And they're like, Hey, can you just do it for me? Or can you just set it up for me since you already know so much about it? And uh, yeah, so that was my, you know, evolution, my journey so far to get to the point where I'm working directly with SaaS founders, helping them set up their marketing funnels, helping them simplify their messaging, you know, get their first 500 customers.
0: Gotcha. So you were starting off selling products on your own on existing platforms. Then you found your way into Shopify affiliate marketing, and were are helping basically people sell their physical products through Shopify or using Shopify to create a storefront, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you got more experience with SaaS because obviously Shopify is a SaaS. And then you started working with founders and helping them create marketing funnels. So I have that correct? Kind of simplifying things for them. Exactly how it went. It makes total sense how you kind of just kept building off of one skill onto another and how it just kind of let in. Did you ever face any distractions when you're going through this? You ever face... You know things coming up. It sounds like you're someone who has a lot of ideas. Like, how do you keep those contained and kind of like how did you build on top of that and stay focused?
2: That's a great, great, great question. I would say, you know, I didn't get it right the first time. I learned from experience, and I would say, like two years ago, one of my biggest learning lessons because at the time I had my own Shopify store. Then I was also building Shopify stores for other people. Then I'm also testing out all these new new platforms, uh, trying to get different things going, and I was extremely distracted you know and distraction like from now you know i'm starting to understand like distraction is the true enemy of greatness Mm. uh you know then from there i realized like i couldn't do anything well that's what i was you know basically Mm. i was doing all these things but i wasn't really owning anything i wasn't excelling at anything i was dabbling here dabbling there
0: right
2: you know and then like one of the biggest myths like there's so many myths (laughs) that i just continue Usually break. Then I'm always breaking in my head. And one of the biggest myths is like the more businesses that you have, the more income that you have, right? And that is a complete myth. One business can trump ten different businesses. I was kind of so embarrassed because like when people asked me what I did, I would like list off like five different things, and I just started to realize like that is not the way. (laughs) That is not the way, you know, to do business. And then from there, I just started cutting things right slowly, and it's actually much harder. Than it sounds to, so, you know, cut off all these different things because you're so invested here. I have so much money already put in this place. And so I just started cutting things off slowly. And it all happened because my friend asked me 15 years from now, what do you want to be doing? And then it took me a while to kind of think about it. And then from there, you know, once I got that answer um, and then once I really pictured my future, visualized the future and knew that like, OK, software is definitely going to continue to run the world. I cut off everything else that wasn't that and just jumped straight into that field. So that's how I kind of learned about distractions. It was definitely a, a tough learning learning experience because you just have money tied up everywhere. You're working so hard, but it feels like you're moving in a circle. From there, once I answered that question, like, you know, 15 years from now, what do I see myself and do that and cut off everything else and, you know, really stop you know, shiny object syndrome is just like the one way that I see it now. It's like the fastest path to success is a straight line. Yeah. Uh, from there, I just try to cut off everything. And then from there, you know, distractions is still predominant in day-to-day life. So that is still one of like my biggest learning processes. So I cut off distractions and forms of other businesses or income streams. Uh, then you, you know, start to deal with distractions of social media. Then you start to cut that off. And then from there, I started to notice Distractions in day to day life. So distractions in day to day life, such as uh, family, personal issues, and like those are, you know, things are di- that are disguised as distractions that can really, you know, keep you away from greatness. So distractions are definitely everywhere, and I think uh, it's one of the biggest struggles for the majority of our population right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can just pull up, you know, the world in your pocket with your cell phone, and there's just yeah. so many messages coming to you. And I like what you said about cutting things away. And just what do you kind of want to be known as down the line later in your life? And I think about that too. Like if you think about like take something everybody knows, like Shark Tank, for example, everybody on there, every really successful person, they started with one thing and then blew that up and then took that and then did all this other stuff. And it's like everybody who's super successful in business, typically they do one thing, do it well, master it. And then leverage that to kind of move into other stuff. So I completely agree with that.
2: Definitely. It's just so reverse logic to like what we think is right. So it's just so hard to kind of jump on that bandwagon. For yeah. so right now, everything like is funny because the simplest, because doing businesses is harder than doing one business. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy because now like the simplest things to do is the hardest things to do. You know, Mm -hmm. so yeah. It's just it's just reverse logic. But people want to overcomplicate it. It's like we almost live in a society that I want it complicated. I don't want it simple. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, and
2: it's really like the old school thought is like now the new school thought that people really have to adapt to be successful. So
0: absolutely. Around this time in the interviews when I usually ask what trends people are seeing in marketing and sales technology, but I want to take a step deeper and ask because you have a your consulting practice satisfies a very specific need, right? It helps founders get, brings them you know, a reliable machine to generate new customers. I know that part of the way you do that is with funnels. And so I want to kind of wrap that question up and kind of ask, in the trends that you see in your consulting business, marketing and sales, what really works for SaaS founders or, or what can work for SaaS when it comes to bringing in new business? What's that straight line that we were talking about earlier?
2: Definitely. Um, and it actually ties into your last question, which is the distractions, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest things that SaaS finders typically fall into the trap that they fall into is overcomplicating things and trying to do too many things at one time or doing things out of order, hiring salespeople when they can't fill up their own calendars, you know, so or jumping into Facebook ads when they don't have their uh, messaging down. So like, you know, typically what I like to tell people is definitely nothing new under the sun and there's no silver bullet that I have you know, all I know is just like the process or in what order things should be done to get the best results. So one of the things that I focus on with some of our SaaS hunters, I call it our POP method, which is positioning offer process. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we start off with positioning because it's a crowded marketplace. There's tons of CRMs, there's tons of marketing automation tools. And one of the best ways to be successful in this marketplace is to kind of position yourself in your blue ocean. And, you know, I don't want to just say that really vague. So let me Deeper there, your blue ocean, your positioning is uh, the thing that you excel at. People are not going to necessarily sign up with you because uh, you have all the tools mm-hmm. and features. You know that's a competition that you don't want to be in because somebody with more money than you can, right. you know, easily mm-hmm. build that feature. But you just want to own one thing. You have a CRM software, but just own it for one person. You know, is it construction? Is it restaurants? Is it martial arts? And then even then, get deeper martial arts studios with one chain or martial arts studios between five and 15 chains. You know, the deeper that you get, the better that your messaging can be. And that is how you actually break through the noise. Because one of the biggest things that actually makes SaaS companies go broke in advertising, why they say Facebook ads don't work is because they come in so general. uh, And they say, man, there's so much noise out there. But they come in with like this vague marketing message and you know, you're literally the problem, you're making the noise, right? Mm -hmm one of the first things that we focus on with people like that they typically tend to overlook is just finding your positioning and coming up with your copy. You know, good copy is positioning plus a good offer. That is great Mm -hmm. copy. You know, so good copy isn't just fancy words, but it's just literally as simple as having really good positioning and having a great offer. And that is great copy. Uh, So we just focus on that first, just positioning, separating yourself from the noise. If you have a CRM, how not to be Salesforce, right? How to be so specific that it actually, it hurts people to be this specific because they think, man, I'm losing out on so much market share. right? You know, when I say something like this, like that is why this unconventional hurts. And I had to cut off some of these other businesses that I was doing and jump into one thing. It was really painful, like surprisingly painful, you know, and it's the same thing when you try to do marketing and you're saying like, hey, my software can serve all these people, but I'm not even going to look at them. Right, it's one of the things that um, Seth Golden came up with in the Purple Cow is going after your early adopters. Um, that is your window of opportunity. It's that eighty-twenty principle. Going after that twenty percent to get eighty percent. Going after just that twenty percent because they're the most profitable for you at the moment. Especially if you want to do advertising, that is an eye for an eye, a dollar for two. You have to be really, really specific. So that's the first thing that we do is just really get so specific that it hurts you. <laughs> yeah, get out that comfort zone. You know seeking the discomfort. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: What are some past that kind of what are some mistakes that people make usually? Let's say they have a good pop, they've got a good positioning or let's say decent, something to work with. That's not terrible positioning offer. Mm-hmm. Process. Yeah. Is that where we left off? Kind of the process yeah. or
2: what? We left off on positioning.
0: Positioning. Uh, so positioning
2: is positioning yourself in a marketplace where you're very specific and then from there is having a good offer. So one of the biggest things that make you know, Facebook ads convert, your funnel convert is having a good offer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause at this stage, people have not used your product and you can design your landing page as hard as you want to split test all the different button colors and everything like that. But the biggest determinant factor of getting people to convert and actually sign up is having a good offer. Mm -hmm. Um, A good offer can really take you a long, long way. Um, The example that I like to give is just Black Friday, the most successful day in e-com stores for the entire year is because it is giving out really, really good offers and it makes it, you know, irresistible to sign up. And, you know, even with offers, it gets deeper than that. I took a lot of time to study offers, you know, some of the most successful offers on the internet. Um, And it's the difference between why people buy Gucci shirts versus like Old Navy shirts. Just, you don't have to be the cheapest in the marketplace. Uh, Some people, your niche may prefer the most expensive in the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. So we go really deep into, you know, developing a crafting a really, really good offer. And the next thing with offer is that uh, sometimes software is not enough. Biggest thing, like uh, we were mentioning before the call is that like uh, so many people sign up for software products, but they don't get any results. So this leads to churn or this leads to them not even using your software product as a software company. Now, you can't just provide a software, but you have to really focus on the end result, uh, getting people that end result that they're chasing. Uh, So your offer has to have customer support videos or anything like that to get, make sure people get the end result that they're, um, that they're chasing or that they're going after when they sign up for your uh, for your SaaS product in the first place. So those are the first thing, two things, positioning and offer. And once you have those things, the last P and pop POP, uh, the last P is process. From there you have positioning, you have a good copy, you have an offer. Uh, and then from there, it's just lining out a process, just, you know, um, make giving, giving people a straight line, giving them like a journey without distractions to sign up for your product, use the product and uh, get the results with the product. So we're just lining up that process and that process. And that is the simplest part, um, after you already have positioning and offer.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I, I really like that. It's simple. It's, it's like positioning is so important, but it just, it doesn't get talked about enough because it's not sexy. Right, it's just not. It's just not right positioning. I've never seen a course on positioning. I've never seen you know info product on positioning, but it's so powerful. Um, I used to sell cybersecurity, and some of our competitors were, you know, IBM and Dell and well-known names, and it was like to beat those brands, you you can't beat them best in class because they're best in class. You got to beat them as best in category. Mm-hmm. you got to be number one in your category and um, own that niche in the customer's mind, own that corner of the customer's mind to where you're the only one um, that can satisfy that need. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest way to be number one is not to outspend number one or beat number one. Definitely. It's to be the only one there, right? Definitely. So I love that, that you put such a focus on positioning. Cool. Definitely. And offer. Um, I interviewed someone who they do website or, or online business broker. They're an online business broker. They help sell businesses. Work with a lot of SaaS companies, and he said the most successful SaaS companies are the ones that did. Um, he called it value stacking. Right, having articles, videos. Guides, podcasts, um, books, right? Russell Brunson is the master of that, right? Having books and content for all of his customers and Mm -hmm. making his product sticky, right? Definitely. Um, So I I love that. And then process, getting out of the customer's way, right? Making it easy for them to buy, consume the material, get results, get value from it, and move forward with what they want to do and help them be the star of the show.
2: Definitely. So Um, I love that. Yeah, man, it's just so like my whole mindset is just, you know, just taking things that I thought I knew and throwing out the window and adopting the simplest form of thinking because simply is tr- like simplest simplicity is truly like the key to this, you know, in a world that is becoming more and more complicated, the simpler that you make things, the more success that you have. And it's just like, it's just so hard to adopt, but that's why so little people are doing it. And the people that yeah. do adopt it do get really successful from it. I mean, and especially like, if you're a SaaS product, you know, like I said, we work with mainly bootstrap, uh, bootstrap companies. If you're a SaaS product and you're bootstrap, you do not have the money to even go up with these, you know, or go against some of these bigger names. Right. Um, you don't have the money or the capital to just spend money on branding. You know, you need an eye for an eye, a dollar for two, especially if you're spending your own money. Right. Uh, and if, if you want to do that positioning and going really, really niche, to the point where it actually hurts, like, man, I think I'm so niche, like, you know, I didn't just for this specific group, but if you go after that group and become so good at, they can satisfy your need. Like we're kind of working with the lifestyle SaaS entrepreneur and not the SaaS company that wants, you know, like Uber with 10,000, 10, employees or however many employees that they have. And they're still, you know, not profitable and have to yes. you know, raise money and raise money and raise money and IPO because you already from everybody in Silicon Valley, you know, just to keep this thing going, but you haven't really, you know, made any money. Worldwide. I'm all for profit. Like anything less than that doesn't quite I haven't kind of wrapped my head around running a business and not being profitable around now. I understand for the growth purposes, but for me, my, with my humbling backgrounds, like I do everything for profit, you know. So right. everything that we teach is also, you know, for profit. Like we're not, we're not here to just kind of you know, grow your employee count because that looks good and it strokes your ego. But we're here to actually make you money, even if you have one and a half employee.
0: Absolutely. I want to ask before we kind of get into a little bit deeper into, you know, who your kind of ideal customer is and how you offer most value with Obsessed with SaaS. I want to ask for people who are niche, who are like, okay, I know I need a niche town, I need a niche town, I'm going to do it. When is it too small? What is that sweet spot? Can the market tell you? How can people test that out in kind of like a back-of-the-napkin type of way for where their niche should be?
2: Definitely. That is a great question, actually. And I think, personally, if you're just starting out, you don't have to marry your niche. But if you're just starting out and you're trying to have your customers feel your growth, is never too small. Um, because, like I said, we work with, you know, stats companies uh, and we try to help them get their first 500 customers. Uh, you know, if there's even... You know, like people always make the analogy on Shark Tank um, because you mentioned this earlier in the interview. One percent of this niche, I'll be a billionaire, right? right? So you can go small as possible, and if you even get ten percent of your niche, because the better that you're at at the small niche, the better you're at, at communicating with them. And then from there, you'll be you'll be able to get more and more and more of that niche. And then from there, once you establish and take all your learnings from that niche, that feedback that you're collecting from that niche, having that you know smaller niche group feed uh, feed your marketing machine. Um, you know, feed your growth. Then from there, you can start to go up market. You can go from SMB to then enterprise or higher tier SMB. Then, uh, then continue to go up level, continue to go up level from there.
0: Right. It's easier to start small and expand than it is to get after everybody, go go down. Right. And um, I mean, even if you look at the most successful companies, like some of the ones you are mentioning, they all started small, right? Amazon, they were just selling books. Right. You remember that? Um, Facebook it's, you know, it was just for Harvard. Then it was just for college. People.
2: Just, just for Harvard. Though, you, you even went more specific because people will usually just say Facebook was just for college students, mm-hmm. but no, originally it was just for Harvard. Just for Harvard. And it was simple. It was simple.
0: They had the Facebook. It was the Harvard Facebook, Facebook yeah. and it was a printed yearbook. And they just put it online. Amazon. Right. They just put the book online. Here, buy right. the book. We'll send you the book. And it's just right. simple stuff Definitely. that just catches on.
2: This is just that's like I swear, like most of the people that uh, that we work with, most of our customers, they come in smartest people, way smarter than me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh And their biggest problem is it's just like they have overload of information. right now overload of information and they don't know what to combine or they get stuck on just one part because they make it way too complicated and like for us is you know most of the work we do is just like switching the mindset man because like i'm bigger into mindset now than i am you know marketing or anything Mm. like that because the marketing has been there it's the same concept like facebook is the same concept since the first billboard has ever been created we use the same pretty much same concept nothing new under the sun um, but the mindset is just like what really kills, you know, what really kills people. They try to go way too complicated. They don't keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just from there, that just kind of screws everything up. And you can't scale complexity. Something that's complex, the harder it is for you to scale. Even a building as big as the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, it's just one level at a time. And each level is almost identical. You mm-hmm. know, they don't do anything complex with a building of that size and magnitude. It's just very simple. One layer on top of the other. Absolutely.
0: I want to take some time to talk about your business and kind of for anyone's listening who may get value out of potentially working with you. Who do you help? How do you help them? And I know you have a specific niche of people that you kind of specialize in. So I definitely want to hear about that as well.
2: Definitely. So uh, we mainly work with new SaaS founders looking to get their first 500 customers. We see like we're very specific with who we work with because we just try to be really great at that. You know, we want anybody that signs up that works with us to get 500 customers to go from 50 to 500 to hundred to 500. And even if you're currently at 500 and you probably got those 500 and you don't even know to get them, that's a problem. So we work with people to basically install what we call like their customer machine, that flip of a switch. Uh, When you flip it, customers are coming in and basically how we do that is with our positioning offer and process. And we help SaaS founders build that out uh, for their company. And we work mainly specifically, very, very specifically, just with SaaS founders. And we just kind of try to crack the code on just getting those first 500 customers for any SaaS product.
0: Awesome. I love it. It's It seems like the hardest, right? Those first group of customers, the first batch of customers? Definitely. Is your process pretty much the same from one to 500? Or do you have kind of like levels that you go through? Like, hey, the first 100 and then 50, 500?
2: that's another really really good question you know most of the time people have something that work and they don't continue to do it yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely that's right you know so our our mindset literally this was a call i was having earlier and they, they asked a similar question if you work for 100 why don't you why, why would you stop doing it <laughs> yeah you know, and so it's just that like we have a evergreen process basically that if it gets 10 you can keep it running every day like uh now analogy I like to make is a light switch, you know, after you, this light switch, uh light switch I use in this room, I've used it probably well over 10,000 times, probably less than that, but you know, I don't have somebody come in and, you know, switch over the light switch after a thousand times. Like it's a simple machine. When it's simple, you can continuously use it. Right. Uh, so that's what this process or the customer machine that we build, you know, for any size company is just very simple. And once you get it going, is uh, evergreen process, and it's almost like AI because the more feedback, the more people that go through it, uh, the more customers that you get, the better that you can make it, the better that you can make your messaging and everything like that. Yeah, it's very simple. There's nothing. is nothing out of the box. But you know, I can't stress enough the how important the positioning and the offer is, is because that's the main thing, really. Like, you know, there's pages, there's buttons, and everything like that. But what people read on the screen, what they hear in your videos, that's the most important thing. All right, So keeping the main thing, the main thing. And a lot of people overlook that. They try to have the fanciest pages, the fastest load time, but <laughs> you know, terrible, terrible messaging and everything like that. So positioning and offer, that's, that's what really makes it works. The fundamentals. I play a lot of basketball. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, that made me really good at basketball is just, I focus on the fundamentals lay up under the basket, lay up under the basket. I practice just that once that was solid, Everything else like, could be subpar, and I could still score no matter what. So that's just that, just keeping the main thing the main thing, simplest, the ugliest things.
0: Right. I agree. 100%. Uh, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you, interested in uh, some things you talked about today? What's the best way to get a hold of you?
2: Definitely. The fastest way to get a hold of me is email me. And my email is h a d j i at obsesswithsass.com. And also, if you want to check out some of our content, we do have a case study. We help one SaaS company after 11 short months of working with us. You know, we got them to seven figures. They got their first 500 customers within one quarter. Um, and, um, last, and last year, they made their seven figures. Uh, and they were in business already two years developing the product. But once they started working with us, everything just exploded. And we have a case study. And to watch that case study, you can go to com forward slash case study and send you the link if we can put it somewhere in the show notes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Very good. Great. Awesome. Well, it was great chatting with you today. Definitely Hope do. to hear from you soon. And I'm I'm yeah, interested man. in keeping up with your progress and it seems like you're on a great trajectory. So
2: appreciate it, man. Definitely. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks for having me sure.
0: All right. Thanks for joining.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.